Welcome to the Friendly Geordies podcast. Thank you for joining us. We had a good couple of weeks break. We, you might not be able to tell, but we are in a new studio. You're welcome. Dip. You're welcome. And we did it for waiting. you and us because we were afraid that the other place would get bombed. But <laughs> yes. Either way. And also the lease ran out. <laughs> and this place. Let's be honest. That was too. mostly because of that. I was like, I'd, I'd rather die than stand in line for a rental bar. <laughs> walk in and be like this is worse than my other house and they're like yeah and it's double the price <laughs> <laughs> you're not wrong mm. uh the lease did also run out but let's be real we wanted to ch- anyways let's not get into that okay so first no. uh let's start with our segment today because we've been warming up on the pre-show if you want to if you want to check out our pre-show we talk about the dalai lama we talk about comedy and we talk about uh, which is Stalin worse, based Co- or not based? Yeah, Stalin based or not. So make sure you become a, a patron of the Friendly Geordie's podcast, and you can access that stuff, including the uplate. Hey, Jordan, I've got a question. Peter Dutton just lost his Aston by election. Is this the end of the Liberal Party? <laughs> <laughs> Sensationalist, much, but no. But like, come on. Con- conclusive I'd say I don't think that needs an answer I think you answered it yourself yes is it is it is it is this the end of the liberal party <laughs> or uh, let's just say as the liberal party as we know it no no the end smart man you know what's amazing because <laughs> people that th- dumb people that think they are smart, smart. always say they should or as, as we, know, we it, know it covering all bases mm, anyways mm, uh, nuance Mm. <laughs> what do you what do you actually think? Like, wh- where do you think the Liberal Party stands now? You know what? I know they think they stand, and the press think they stand. Every conversation that you hear about the by election is always about the Liberal Party. Really seems to have an image issue, so they really need to rebuild their brand. They need to change their image. They need to change their messaging. Yes, that's the problem: branding. That's why people. Yeah, no. That who people. are those, who are these people? Are they ABC people? It's everyone. Yes, the ABC included. The ABC's thesis, which I think personally is completely wrong, like it's the opposite of what is true, is that their thing is like you're not appealing to the moderates, and that's why all the teals are eating up your seats. I mean, on the surface, it seems fine, but I've got a yeah, theory as to why that? that's wrong. They actually mean you're not appealing. To elites that don't actually work. You know what they're really job saying? Is like sitting around at cafes and vaguely looking at their laptop. What did, you, did, what, you, did, you, did you guys see there was some article that came out that was basically like Amer- Australia is the same as America. The top 10% have gotten richer and the bottom 93% of like fucked or something. Yeah, that's, that? that's, but that's everywhere. Breaking news. Just thought I'd interject. No, it is. Like uh, they recently did a study of, as well where like, uh, the, the elite has gained about eight, 90% of the total financial gains in the last 10 years or something. I mean, but, like, are we surprised? No. I I'm am. surprised that it was 90. I thought it would be higher. So I think it was actually higher. Progress. I'm surprised. But anyway, go uh, on. But, uh, you know what else, though, I think is never really factored into that argument? Yeah. They're always going to be accumulating nine actually i know yeah, i know what you're getting at that's so true that's it's true just like it doesn't really matter what yeah, government policy i mean yeah. yes that's true but like i know what you really want to get at and let's talk about that segment in your book but review. Yeah, yeah i know but but you go don't on you i was just, just saying just isolated <laughs> on that point though yeah the, there so, really isn't that much you can do 
I, I, mm. I suppose the thing that you could do is maybe tax, but I would like to see what it is like in Scandinavian countries because I'm pretty sure the top 10% would still be getting a very large disproportionate amount of the wealth. Yeah. Mm. Because it's that's everywhere. just what happens when yeah. you own things. Yeah, no, no, absolutely. True. No, I that's don't true. disagree with that. Absolutely. Uh, but coming back to dude, the ABC's point as to like what they're really saying is liberals, come on. We want to vote for you. You think we like paying extra taxes? Just fix some of your like uh, issues here and there. Just stop shitting on gay people. Teals. Uh, teals. And like, and we'll vote for you. And the rest of the population will also vote for you. Yeah, that's I know. What that's all really saying. window dressing that the ABC personally likes. But isn't it amazing that they have their little bubble view frame and they get to navigate and project that that's what the country's thinking? And the, every, you're so right. Every time they ever talk about this, they're always just talking about teal seats. You lost teal seats. I mean, because like mathematically, kind of makes sense. If had they, if they had the teal seats, mm. then they would be in a then much better have position. Four more seats. Then they'd have four more seats. True. Okay. They still wouldn't have gained government. Okay, they still wouldn't have gained government. But what I also think is like maybe that's that's not the again right now. I, and I've spoken to you, Jordan, about this. I'm not talking in terms of what's good for the country. Right now, I'm going to be talking in the sense of what's good for the Liberal Party. If I was one of them, and I was like, how do we get out of this situation? You need to do the opposite. I think what's happened is that because the Liberal government has been in power for so long, their base, their hardcore uh, base, is kind of losing faith in them in the sense that they're like, there's, they feel that there's not a huge difference between the Liberal Party and the Labour Party. These are the people that are like the most socially conservative people. They're like anti-mask people, those kinds of people. And I think so in this, in this opportunity when they've lost, the Liberal Party should actually go back to them, which is <laughs> they should start really going Pauline way. <laughs> Maybe not Dutton himself. So Dutton should get a few of his cabinet members to just go ape shit so sh super right wing which is going to outrage the abc and it's going to definitely outrage the teals but that's fine like let them be outraged for now because at this point you're not winning the the whole the, the the pendulum has swung labor's way you need to wait for your opportunity in maybe three years luckily if you're lucky yeah, it's two three term years minimum strategy. but it's two terms, two terms right it's two terms. i think your strategy should be what happens six years from now yes and so what you need to do to win that election is you need to have your base super motivated for you. Yeah. And when you've got those people in, then six, five years from now, then you move towards the teal arguments. Then you start softening your position and start appealing to the broader base. And all of a sudden, you have an extremely motivated base and you have those floating voters come to you and you w make a majority out of it. Mm. So I think Peter Dutton is probably the best guy they have for this opportunity, but Peter Dutton should know that he'll probably never become the prime minister. He, but he could pave the way for the next liberal guy to be the prime minister if they played their cards and right. And you know what? Honestly, I think that he is implementing the strategy that you're saying. And yeah. I think he's probably aware that he's never going to be prime minister. But he is going to be an effective opposition leader. And the fact that everybody's always ragging on him for saying no... That's great for an opposition leader. Yeah. He, I really don't think that the whole, oh, yeah, we're being constructive. The, that's a good strategy for the Labor Party so that they can get some inroads in the press and have to get the press to say, oh, okay, they're matching them on this and you know they're being reasonable on the things that we want passed. 
that makes sense for the Labor Party. The Labor Party should not be the party of no opposition. They should be the constructive opposition. But coalition should always staunchly oppose everything. Yeah, they need a Tony Abbott again. Like, they need yes. that kind of, like, extreme, crazy opposition, mm. which the rest of the country might think is, is ridiculous. But, you know, that 30% of their hardcore base <laughs> is going to love that. <laughs> yeah. And then you'll have them in a... Like, I hope this doesn't happen because, like, no one wants the Liberals to be in power six years or nine years or whatever. But but when you have them really motivated and then you, like, soften your approach towards uh, larger policy issues, you're going to win easy. That's the whole... You're right. Dutton needs to be the stalking horse and then you need to replace him with the Frydenberg or Malcolm Turner. Yeah, figure, Frydenberg. And then the elite exactly. will love that. Exactly. But you've consolidated your base. So... Uh, In fact, actually, it's probably... You know what? I might even go as far as to say this. Dutton could be a Tony Abbott 2.0. Well, that's... He could grind his way into office. He was supposed to be. Dude, okay, what do you think about this? I know this is a really superficial argument, but, like, Dutton is an extremely ugly man, and that's (laughs) hard to, like, win people over. Oh, yeah. (laughs) He's, like, so awkward, and he's, like, this weird character. He's, like... It's hard for me to be like, yeah, I like you. Oh, I'm afraid <laughs> of you, but I like... Whereas, like, the oh, others... Shit. Like, an album is like, just this cute, cuddly man walking about, like, yes. Yeah, and he's got a list, which also makes him endearing. Yeah. Like, it's it's really <laughs> hard for me to like Peter Dutton, irrespective of, uh, of like, what his policies are. He's yes, yes, yes. scary-looking yes. man. Mm. He's you good know? as a cop. Yeah. <laughs> he's very a much good, a cop. Great cop. Yeah. You know what else I actually got to give credit to Dutton for he's really good at answering questions mm. he's really good at not losing his shit at all of the obvious jabs that the press are constantly giving him mm. he's got a real I'm gonna rise above it and be the mature man in the room feeling about him I, I know exactly what you mean it's, like, it's an insurmountable odds you're in opposition and you're hideous but <laughs> Like extremely hideous, yeah. not just oh, extraordinarily yeah. hideous. Yes. He but does. Let's just say this: he doesn't have a good card hand, but he's playing it as well as he possibly can. That's what I think. Like about when him. they always talk about, like, I honestly think this: I think he is a very, very intelligent, effective politician. No, I, I think so. But I'm going to go back to him being hideous. Like when they talk about JFK <laughs> versus Nixon, right? And they always say like. Well, the the real political pundits knew that J, JFK was going to win because just look at him. He was a handsome young man and look at Nixon. Dude, Nixon did not look bad. Yeah. Nixon was a moderately handsome man. Yeah. Peter Dutton is He's no not, Nixon. He's not <laughs> Peter Dutton is borderly like elephant man. <laughs> <I'm sorry>. Oh, shit. <laughs> All right, rate him out of 10. Dude, like low. Like, to the point where I'm like, I don't play this game. <laughs> because I don't want to give him, like, a two or some shit. shit yeah, you know? it'd be a two, a two for sure. Nah, come on, four. Dude, no you, way. Okay, think, think for a second that two. you're a woman, and that man is on top of you having fucking... Just just imagine that. Yeah, she into power. Dude, she's in the shower crying after. <laughs> I don't know if it's that far. I don't know. Like, <laughs> okay, there's I uglier get, people. They're really, like... But I get, like, what, how Susan Peter... Susan Lay's does. pretty hideous. Is that yeah, the second you, in charge? Like, of course, yeah. All right. Is that the second in charge? out of hand here. Uh, yeah, supposedly, yes. Yeah, she's, yeah. Yeah, I'll tell you what, right. though. Looks actually really is not everything. Do you reckon? 
I mean, Christina Keneally is a 10. She can't win an office to save a life. Yeah, but you know what? Okay, first of all, two things. One, and you're going to hate this point, but look, it's a little different for women. Uh, uh, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> in fact, fucking, I like Peter Judd and <laughs> No, like, like, it kind of is, though. Like, really, like, good-looking women sometimes will give off this really bitchy vibe. Yes. And that's unappealing. I'm trying to think if guys are in the same boat because it's there's no Australian male politician that's at that same tier. You've got your eights. You've got your eights. Who's like... Chris okay. Minns, for instance. Chris Minns is handsome, but he ain't a 10. Nah, there's no 10s. Dude, if you were a 10, you're working for Victoria's Secret. You're not a fucking New South Wales <laughs> parliamentarian. <laughs> 10 just means you're going to get cast in movies. 10 is... 10 also, I don't know. Do you know a 10? Yeah, Christina Keneally. Oh, she's a 10 for New South Wales Parliament. No, I actually honestly think she's like a, a intimidatingly attractive woman. I think she's on another scale to like, if, if you saw her walking down the street, that would be a head turner, like a car stopper kind of thing. She's very, very attractive. Mm. It mm. doesn't translate into elections. It could be the thing that you're saying that you want to be attractive, but you don't want to be too attractive. And yeah. I think there is something to that. You don't want to be too... But also... Oh, actually, you know what? Canadian Prime Minister. Trudeau. Yeah, Justin Trudeau. Trudeau is but a 10. man. He's a 10. Man. Yes. Do you know one exception? But... I, Thailand's he, Prime Minister. She was really smoking. She was a 10. She but was she 10. was like... She was out in two years. And you know what was her main issue? Yeah, but issue? That's, It's Thailand. She's Everyone's just a good-looking gal. Like, she's, she's nepotism and... It's hard to take you seriously when you're that good-looking. Like... Yeah, I think so too. But that's the same thing with Trudeau. I mean, Trudeau wins, I think, because of the party machine behind him. But I honestly think that a lot of people... Th- there's studies into this as well. If you're too good-looking, people instantly mistrust you. Mm. And actually, women do that to attractive men doubly so. Yeah. Oh, mm. yeah, yeah. Yeah, like if, if Brad Pitt was all of a sudden running for, for like, Prime Minister nah, of Australia, up. they'd be like, yeah. you can fuck me. But <laughs> yeah, yeah, just, just yeah, not yeah. in office, man. Yeah, yeah, just not in office. I don't, I don't trust you. You're too good looking. Okay, fair enough. So you want to be like eight. Eight is is a sweet spot. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. You want to be approachable. This is this is the atmosphere that you want to give off. I think of just like yeah, that that'd be a nice wife or that'd be a good husband. Mm. You want that level. I got lucky. Yeah, not the. <laughs> Yeah, you think you're better than me. Uh, mm. This is why I hate coming to Brazil, that kind of stuff. All right, so what's what's the, what's the Liberal Party's future now? I think the Liberal Party's future is what it was in the 80s. It's going to be a grim decade. They Sucked are just in. going to be permanently in opposition and irrelevant because they are <laughs> incapable, as they have proven over the last 10 years, of governing in a time of turbulence and change. That That is the pattern of history. We are... In, through the looking glass, <laughs> like, this happens all throughout history. Every time it's turbulent, the Labor Party's in. That's so unfair, man. Like, how come they get like when things are good, you're our guy. When things are really, when shit's hitting the ceiling, let's get the Labor Party in. Because oh, no. so unfair. <laughs> I know it's so unfair, but that the elite understand that they need an actual government in power during turbulent times. They need a government that's capable of making tough decisions instead of just caving to special interest. But mm. in times of good, they just want to live off the fat. Yeah. 
Mm. All right, well, so the question is, is Labor, is, are Liberals done? And the answer is probably yes. Done for yes. Nah, we've spoken about not a what chance. We think. I'm just, not I'm still, chance. I'm imagining the title of this book. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> What's the thing he lost? His ele- what did he lose? An Aston by election. How many elections are there? Let's, like, let's let's reduce the amount of. There's too many of those. How I many mean, times? It's just like it's it's one seat. It's not. Well, reduce it anyway. So what is he not? Once in a hundred years. I do really like whoever it was that won. She seems really funny. So yeah. is he not the opposition leader anymore? Is that how it works? No, no, he is. He's just... Uh, These seats simplify the fucking shit. Yeah, I guess Miss Love is asking for a presidential system. Yeah, so, that. S- speaking of presidential systems... No way, they have way more elections than we... They elect chief police. I know. <laughs> <laughs> Which but, I think is a really good... Well, I mean, guys, like this is a political podcast. That's too much democracy. I don't want Man, to sit there. I mean, I like, know you're saying that as a joke. have got a good high risk rate. I'm also not a fan of this by election. Just call it an election. Yeah, what? It's by because you say bye bye to it and yeah, walk away. Everyone's by these days. <laughs> it's ridiculous, <laughs> including Even Peter Jones. <laughs> uh, but speak okay. Let's talk about uh, uh, Trump and him going to prison. What do you? Damn. What are you? Impeach, dude. I got thoughts. It's not going to happen. As my thoughts and the story. Why? Why is it not going to happen? Because that's what Fox News said. Do you know? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, come on. You've got to admit that they have a tint. <laughs> they have an angle. But he, he's what well, I, I. I actually agree with Fox News on this. Do you know, do you guys know what the charge is? It's like a shitty case, right? It's called hush money. Is it illegal even? It's not even illegal to give hush money to someone. What he did was, before the 2016 presidential race, his affair with that uh, the porn star Stormy Daniels, she was going to come out and say that we had an affair. Which honestly would have, like, in hindsight, would have only boosted his <laughs> appeal and polls. Isn't that crazy? But, um, uh, but he gave... Allegedly, he asked his lawyer to give one hundred and sixty thousand dollars to to sign a confidentiality agreement with her. That is not illegal. You can do that. I mean, if you give someone money and ask them not to speak about it and they accept, there's nothing illegal about it. But what is technically illegal is to not declare that payment when you're running or office in your official uh, business dealing statement or whatever it might be. Now that in the U.S. is an offense and you could technically go to jail for it, but come on, that is no... what. Okay, so what I'm trying to say is this is, this is what's really happening. They haven't been able to find something that they can pin him for. They found this, which by the way has complexities because... There's um, uh, there's one removal. So he didn't actually pay her. He didn't communicate with her. He paid his lawyer, who is claiming that he got the money from his boss, who has incentives to lie about it. Because, mm. uh, so it's it, that in itself is going to be hard to prove that that money came from Donald Trump. That's a headache on itself. But what will what can happen is that the Democrat or not the Democrats, but like the people that are trying to get him in jail for it are hoping that they can, uh, through discovery, they can get more and more documents 
And once those documents come, they might be able to find something that is even more incriminating. Oh, that's so that's point. what's really happening here. They're trying to, they're still looking for shit and they haven't really found it. They found something that allows them to look for more right, shit. Right, right. And so what happens is, I think this was a dumb move on their part anyways, because you, if you're gonna, if you're gonna like, bring proceedings against an ex-president, you better have like a good off. You, 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 can, you, need, to, you need something substantive mm. because there's so much drama that's going to be created around it that it's not worth it. And plus, in whenever, like give me one example of a politician that has gone or has been put into jail for something of this sort and has come out unpopular. Yeah, mm. they always they always kill it as soon as they're out. Yes, yeah. yes. Like even in Australia, Pauline Hanson went to jail and she came out more popular than what. In fact, that jail stint made her into a force to be reckoned with. <laughs> yeah. She was no one before. It was a Lazarus that. Rising. Yeah, it, she was mm. no. And so, like, because there is much some, like John Howard. Yes. <laughs> every common person, when they think that someone is being persecuted against. It becomes an underdog story, yep. and now all of a sudden they're for it. Yep. Yeah, I think this was like the dumbest thing that they could have done, unless they found something really incriminating that they knew they could put in put him in jail for. Yeah. And unlike Australia, if you're being, even if you're in jail, you can still run for president in the U.S. So you're yeah. not really disqualifying him; mm. you're just giving him more steam. It seems like he's got that martyrdom. But right? also, yeah, how baller would it be if he is? Uh, Oval Office addresses <laughs> were from a five-star prison cell. <laughs> that would be so sick, dude. It would be sick. What a dystopic aesthetic. And he would become. He would. He My would. Fellow Americans, and he's I in mean, jail. I mean, I vote for him just for that. Exactly. I would like to see it from the cell. And a lot of people in blue states will vote for him just for that. Because they, <laughs> My fellow Americans, I need to leave you now because it's time for dinner. But <laughs> like, dinner, you know, like ringing the bell and shit. Yeah, it's gonna. It's been like Jack Trump, five more minutes. <laughs> I don't know what they're trying to. I got you those cigars. <laughs> I think uh, you know. I don't understand. Like, I think it was Nietzsche who used to say that. Like every time you see some kind of an authoritarian action, it always comes from a sense of insecurity. Secure mm. governments mm, never do this sort of shit. It's always the insecure governments that are mm. threatened that do it. That's interesting. Which tells me that the Democrats are really, I don't think they're confident was, in it, winning the next election. But no, it w- Christ, no, they're not. But it was, it was more that specific New York governor, right? It wasn't Biden. It wasn't, it was that governor. It was, it was a New York state prosecution, right? Yeah, dumb fuck. But like obviously he wouldn't have done it without the knowledge of the White House. Like Right. They are, like you I have think to it was like someone a, I think fuck. it was like, like a, it was a decision. But I think the White House would have definitely had to okay this. I think happening. it was like a campaign promise of his. I think one of his promises was like and I will put Donald Trump in prison. Yeah, so but I find something better to put him in prison for. This is yeah, stupid. Yeah, you've just yeah. you've literally just shot yourself in the foot over here. And also maybe I'm just jaded about the law. I swear everything's illegal. <laughs> like right now, me sitting here is just like, ah, you didn't check before you sat down if there's any Aboriginal artifacts under it. That's <laughs> fine. Like e- everything you do I is mean, always going to... It's, it's like it's the worst mistake if you just ask your lawyer for anything ever. They're always going to say, yes, that's illegal. Because there's so many laws. Yeah, they're, and they're risk averse. 
they they don't want to get into trouble. Because the thing is, I bet you're right, Ali. I bet you you could just pick at random twelve laws that Donald Trump's running right now. Of like, uh, oh, I don't know, like uh, he he built an extension on his house that's a little bit over regulation or something like that. There'd be a bunch of shit. Yeah, but like it doesn't work. That works with uh, people like us, people that are basically kind of well not you but like people like me and miss love that people that are basically powerless so when you do that shit it's just an intimidation tactic and you're essentially just trying them to change some kind of a behavior because like you said you can really pin down a lot of offenses on anyone really and the only reprieve they have is like if they've got like a good lawyer if they've got money to do it and if they can argue against it and prove that it's bullshit most people don't have that particularly a fucking leading presidential candidate you think you can get him on some bullshit like, you know, your house is built slightly extra? Mm. And what's the court going to do? Oh, in that case, we give you the death penalty. They're going to fucking fine him and let him go. Mm. Damn. And you know what else is sick? He could double up in the election and actually run the sideshow Bob election of just showing this black and white ski lift of prisoners coming out <laughs> of the prison system just being like uh, revolving yeah. door prisons. Joe Biden couldn't even pin down Donald Trump who had six <laughs> felony charges against him. Can you trust a man like Joe Biden? Vote Donald Trump for president. <laughs> <laughs> it's so crazy because that's like where it's getting to. That is where it is getting to now. It's crazy. And they can't even say this, uh, this message is approved by Joe Biden because he can't approve shit anymore. It's just it's it's really cool <laughs> thinking about. You, we've lost him. What? He, we've lost Joe Biden. I'm still on Team Biden, though. Yeah, of course. I mean, I mean yeah. obviously, you're always going to vote for Biden. Yeah. But I've got to say, if Donald Trump wasn't already the coolest president <laughs> the world has ever seen, he's oh, yeah. well and truly made that with prison cred. Yeah, he's got coming up in his next cred. election with that little Mexican tear tat underneath. <laughs> He can't do any wrong. I swear Don't to God, he can't. On his knuckles. <laughs> it's crazy. It's so sick. It's just gangster. Dude, imagine yeah. if he comes so out and he's like, like Abdullah Tate. He's like, I have been reading the Quran. In <laughs> <laughs> the Quran's a very good book. Yeah, uh, and Maybe I'm gonna. a bit harsh on the Islam. <laughs> and he's like, I'm reducing the ban. Bring down that wall, and every Republican was like, Peace Prize. Come on, Peace Prize. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> totally, totally. <laughs> Muhammad al alaj Trump. <laughs> <laughs> I think it will just strengthen his base, though, because yeah. they love that. They're like, he's fighting the government. He's fighting the man. He's sort of... Yeah, look at Andrew Tate, too. Everyone that was for Andrew Tate loves him even more now. I mean, he's sort of dropped off the TikTok algorithm, <laughs> which is pretty annoying Yeah, and him. that was for sex trafficking. Dude, the amount of Not people... Not for, like, a minor film. Yeah, and that was for literally sex trafficking. Look, the amount of podcast fans that have said, like... You guys need to talk about Andrew Tate. Like, what's happening to him is unreasonable. I don't agree with all the shit that he says, but you can't just put someone in prison because you don't agree with them. Well, that's Look. mostly why people go to prison. Well, Andrew really? Tate, a political prisoner. <laughs> <laughs> you could argue that, honestly. Yeah, you, you could, could argue, argue it. That. You could. But that is true. Like, uh, And again, I think this is just another reality that is how the world works. A lot of people go to jail... Uh, because it's more convenient to put them in jail. Mm. Not because they've actually done anything. That's kind of what they did that's to you. definitely what Donald Trump can tap into. The thing is that they're saying, oh my God, Donald Trump raised $12 million. Oh, wow. He'd have a war chest that is smaller than Ralph Nader's in 2000. <laughs> Nothing. 
<laughs> Ralph Nader. <laughs> Who the fuck's that? Dude, that guy used to be. Who the fuck is he, that? He was the Greens of the U.S. Oh, in like early 2000. That's hilarious. In and now in a bush. he's Democrat as. That oh, should give you a little shit. life lesson, all your Greens voters. Shit. Uh, okay, so, all right, Jordan, I guess we've figured out the Trump debacle now. Let's talk about what you were talking. Remember when you called me and you had that, dude, okay, this happens, miss. Mm -hmm. It's about 1230 after midnight. I'm just about to go to bed. (laughs) Just about to, right? That's peak time. And then my phone rings. Yeah. And it says Jordan Shanks new. I'm like, look, I've got to pick this up. I don't know. Like, it might be something important. And I pick it up and Jordan's like, hey, what are you doing? I was like, nothing. Jordan's like, and we, he proceeds to have a three-hour debate. <laughs> and when I say three-hour, I know three-hour because when I put the phone down, I checked. Oh. We, we had a three-hour debate Amazing. on the working class. <laughs> <laughs> what are you that's your bedtime story. It Fuck. was, and I was like, and and because like what he like, it was interesting. So I was like, I can't. I'm not gonna like stop. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm gonna keep going. Yeah. And uh, so what I'm saying is, Jordan, and and it all came from Jordan that book that you were reading. So let's in, so introduce us to the, firstly the book and the central Sa- idea that you were porn? arguing. No, I, I I don't even know if that is a book. <laughs> I got it recommended, and I was just like, this is might as well be written in Hebrew. <laughs> Some of it is written. It's poetry. Wanting. All right. I can't remember the name of the book. Oh, that's a great start. Fuck. But he had this great argument, and I never thought about it like this. He's essentially saying that in the Western world, and he makes a very strong definitive difference between... Because, look, the reasons that people are voting for Imran Khan are a little bit different for why they're voting for Donald Trump. Let's just... Put that out there first hey, and foremost. Don't go back into our debate. Just stick with the facts and then, like, yes, I understand that uh, Imran Khan is different from uh, Trump. But, like, introduce the thesis first. Here's the thesis, though. In the Western world, you really cannot have this argument anymore about class warfare in the same way that you can all throughout the rest of history. We have actually reached that critical mass point where, <laughs> think about it, if you are the lowest of the low in this society, if you're on Centrelink, you have a better life than everyone in Pakistan. I would trade. I've, I've known this from experience. Jesus. I would trade being on the dole in broad meadows for being in the elite suburbs of Pakistan <laughs> in a second. Jesus. In a second. I would much rather live there. Uh, you know why? You know why? Because you can drink water from a tap here. <laughs> that is That's a, a plus. That is a plus. You know, you, you will get mugged slightly less in broad <laughs> yeah. And here's a bonus. Most of the time it won't be with a gun. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The levels of danger that you encounter in a Western democracy these days, even when people say, oh, all these endless wars and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, endless wars may be for a professional class of soldiers. We're at that 1984 level where there is just this tiny theatre, mostly just theatre, just kind of like stuff to fill news in. Some, uh, you know, Arabic guy going... But it's not like affecting you really any in, in your day-to-day. Um, your basic needs are 
more than met and then some. Even if you're online, I know where this is getting at. This is your point about like it's just the it's just the the rich having playtime basically. What like the middle class? The struggles are just like entertainment, right? Yeah, yeah I yeah. think that actually, if you really look at how good society has it. What people are arguing for, especially when you go to fringe minor parties like the Greens, and this is a great example, Greens, One Nation, Clive Palmer's party. Who's the average voter for them? You would think because of the way that they speak, because what's uh, the Greens' message? They're these Che Guevara LARPers coming out to bring out the people's revolution. They're a bunch of people that collect art. (laughs) <laughs> That's who votes they're for the rich, Greens. Yeah, they're rich, richest yeah. voting block in the country. Shit. Guess who else is pretty cashed up? Pauline Hanson and Clive Palmer's. I think they, on average, earn eighty to $100,000 a year. They're doing pretty well in life. But what's it all about? It's all grievance. It's all, oh, your, your mortgages are too high. Immigrants are coming in and they're taking jobs. and It's not the country that you used to have. And the Greens is constantly just this thing of, like, your... Our voting class, by the way, just just imagine this: you're you're uh, French beggars because we we all love Paris. It's just so romantic there. We're French beggars, and we're bringing in the cannons to <laughs> take down Marie Antoinette, who is Anthony Albanese. Yeah? We're <laughs> taking him down, the, the one that actually represents the working class, right? But the thing is, and this is something that Paul Keating always points to when all these people always take this point of. Oh, he, uh, you know, neoliberalized Australia, whatever that like very vague catch term means, which means nothing. Uh, but really, what happened? Why did the Labor Party get voted out? He's absolutely right about it because he made a huge swath of the working class rich. He made them wealthy enough that they had their house, their holiday home, their boat that they never use in their driveway, <laughs> and they started thinking they're liberal voters. What has actually happened over the last 30 years, and, you, and he says this all the time, you can point to inequalities, you can point to these stats of, uh, you know, the, the wealthy have raised their income by 90, taken 90% of the new wealth that's been taken and all that kind of stuff. And, like, really, when you think about it, the average Australian, the average Australian, unless you're, like, on a disability pension or something like that, and even then you are treated... <laughs> so much better than like someone in the middle class of Pakistan. Your basics are more than met. Another stat in the 1850s, 50% of your income went to food. How much sure. of your income goes to food now? Depending on the country, 5 to 15%. How much Except of if your you're a mislove, it's eighty percent. But anyways, that's again but you, you you put that immediately in the next activity that took over the fifty percent, which is leisure. <laughs> when people when people Tacos. like I spend fifty percent of my income on on leisure. It's like yeah, because you're going to Michelin star restaurants, you stupid yeah. cunt. Like <laughs> that's do you know, why. Do you know what I was thinking of? <laughs> like actually, just on that point, I'm, I, there's a few things I just hear, but like just to actually cement your point, I was actually. Uh, someone like um, someone said, "Hey, do you want to eat this?" And I had a I had a bite of theirs, and I was like, "Nah." And they're like, uh, "How come?" I was like, "It doesn't taste good. I don't want to waste my calories on this." 
And I was like, dude, that would be such a ridiculous statement. Even like 50 years ago, I don't want to waste my calories. Yeah. So the assumption is that I already have infinite calories. Yes. Yeah. And now after like to manage them. Narrow it down. Whereas like yes. back in the day, it was like, dude, I just need calories. I need, yeah, like, where's the calories? Yes, yeah. that I will have that. I'll yeah. take the eclair if you're not going to eat it. Yeah. Yeah. But now I'm like, no, this eclair isn't coffee flavored. I don't want to waste my <laughs> calories on, on like a standard eclair. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, where's totally. the jam in the middle? Yeah, where's the jam in the middle? It's true. That's no, that is that is definitely look. So my argument, Miss Love, was, and for those watching, I agree with that. <coughs> there is no doubt that the quality of life in the Western world, and let's keep Australia in this equation to uh, make it easier for us, has drastically improved. And uh, e even the the absolute working class, like a lot of your basic needs, like your healthcare, your uh, your again. Not, not leisure calories, but basic calories that you require to function are taken care of. You might not get like a really nice house, or but you will get roof over your head. Even yeah. if you have to Even pay up like prices. yeah, sixty to seventy percent of your income, you can still and manage just, to survive. Compare that to the Great Depression, when there was a rental crisis in the Great Depression, you were homeless. Mm. Not only were you homeless, you had no prospects for employment. You also had a doll, but it was the breadline. Mm. It, it was a different level of poverty. Yeah, I agree with that. But my my argument was that the class struggle isn't absolute. It's relative. So the struggle that you had during the Great Depression, where essentially your uh, economy just dropped by 30% instantly, was really bad compared to what we're going through now. But it wasn't that bad compared to the medieval era. So you could argue sitting during in the 1930s being like, yo, I know shit's bad right now, but shut the fuck up. Do you know what used to happen mm. when uh, <clears throat> fucking Richard III was in power? No. Like, well, I don't either, but like it was bad, right? <laughs> I don't know what the fuck they did. It was like, if you asked, you. If you asked for bread, they'd chop your hands. Like, yeah. I believe that. I don't yeah. know if that's true or yeah, not, but I'm just saying. Probably. Yeah. So what I'm saying is like it's always relative. So that means that a hundred years from now, our class struggle might be different. So what I was saying is like, and coming from like a Marxist background, it's always about the inequity of it. Yes. As opposed to yes, but it's 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 different because my argument to that is yes, you could make that argument that it was worse in the Middle Ages, and it was, but in the Depression, it was still bad. Like in the depression, people were still starving to death. Okay, children yes. Jesus. did not go to school. No, it's true. There was, and so now, like when you're arguing about a class struggle, you're arguing, "Hey, that person's got more money than me." It mm. actually is the liberal argument of it's more about class envy now than it is about a class struggle. Like your. No matter if, if the status quo stayed exactly the same, if the Liberal Party stayed in forever, okay, you would have terrible environmental outcomes. You'd have a terrible public service. But you'd still be functioning and live to 100 years old. Hmm. Um, yes, I guess you're right. But then also you must take into account that a lot of people, even in Australia, again, not at the standard of the depression level, but are still like facing a lot of... And particularly in today's environment, maybe like five years ago, I would have been like, yeah, you make sense. But like now, there's a lot of people that are genuinely struggling. So 
most of their most you know why they spend only 5 to 15 to 20% on food is because 70% goes on housing if you're in a mortgage or you're renting so like it's yeah, not but, that but, you're but saving that, money think about that though that is a different struggle from food. It is. It is. That's what I'm saying. It's relative. I understand that it's a different struggle. You're not like in indentured servant. You're not a slave. And but you're still, you're. It's still tough because things have also increased. So like, what do you want? Like, you want your children to be able to study in a good institution, right? And university prices just keep going up as well. It used to be completely free. Now it's hex, and now it's even that prices are going up. So you can see that the next generation might not have it as well as I do even now. Now that's still to say that they definitely have it better than two generations ago, but still like we're, it seems like we're regressing and that's enough for me to be like, we might need to reorganize society. Yes. But mm. that is a very different <coughs> argument to what these fringe candidates across the world are making. So your Bolsonaro's, your Trump's, your minor parties here they are making a very different argument to what you're saying, which is we need to make our bureaucracies function better. It's a much more boring argument. Mm. But to motivate people to go to the bases and have those big rallies... and I mean, think about this. The January 6th riots. When you're thinking about storming a capital in the 1700s, what was that based off of? Starvation. They were starving. That's why they stormed the palace. Why did they storm the capital on January 6th? I think the average income, again, was something around $100,000. They were mostly storming it because they have so much free time that they can sit on the internet <laughs> and imagine that there's these pedophile vampires that are secretly <laughs> controlling the White House. And Donald Trump is playing this game of 4D chess against these pedo vampires to take them down. And him getting out, that was all stolen. The election was stolen. It's all based off a of fantasy. This isn't a actual you know tangible i'm gonna die thing yeah. you have to imagine that you're gonna die to get that motivated yeah that's the difference yeah okay i understand that and plus particularly i think it was you who told me and like from that van Baden book that you were reading that if you look at the average income of the people that stormed the Capitol, you'd be surprised by how well off they were. That is were. crazy. I didn't, yeah, that's crazy. There was two things that you could always tell. <coughs> I know you've heard this already, Ali, but there was two things that you could tell. It was a very good indicator of if they were going to be a, a January 6th rider. Had they experienced some form of bankruptcy in the past? Now, that didn't mean that they were well off now. As we said, the general rioter was well off. Hmm. However, at some point, they've experienced some financial hardship. But the difference was that that self-imposed... That was a self-imposed hardship. They took a risk and it failed. And so then they started externally blaming everyone except themselves. That was the first one. The second one is they read a lot. They read far more than the average person. But you know what they read? Fiction. So they were able to make these little jumps in their head of, yeah, pedo vampires. Of course, I've read mm. about that in, uh, you know, Twilight. So obviously, that's a thing that could happen. And they just keep going from there. They should this have is read. what I'm talking about. When, when you have enough money that leisure is now 50% of your paycheck and you have a lot of time to just sit around and do nothing. I mean, for Christ's sakes, think about it like in the pandemic. Everyone across the Western world pretty much stopped working. I know that there was people that were necessarily working in coals and all that kind of stuff, but the general population was able to sit at home for two years. <laughs> and in a lot of circumstances, their quality of life got 
better. Yeah, they actually. A lot of my friends were like, "All oh, right, seven hundred and fifty dollars a week. I've made it." <laughs> and then when it got rid of it, it was just like, "Fuck, fuck you, Scott Morrison. Where's my fucking free checks?" Like that was the difference. When you're talking about the Spanish flu and people are like, "Oh, can you believe that people were still working back then?" They didn't have a choice. Yeah, and there wasn't any seven hundred and fifty dollar mm. a week payout back then. Actually, you hate mm, bringing comparing true. shit to Imran Khan, but I remember when the pandemic happened and. And uh, the images from Italy. Italy was one of the first places where, you know, it was the first example of a first world country, uh, like, going through these insane hospitalizations. And the, the, it was everything was collapsing, right? And so uh, the rest of the world was like, we need to shut our country down. And I think Imran Khan came and was like, yeah, but we don't have that option. Like, we can't do that. Yeah. yeah th- it's like not an option. More, a Shit. lot more people will die. So we just have to manage it. Yeah. Wear your mask. Yeah. Uh, try to keep that distance. If you can afford a mask. And then someone and then oh. someone was like, fuck. Uh, but what about like where you can't keep your distance? He's like, then you don't keep your distance. I don't know what to say. Like we yeah. can't stop working. Yeah. There's like so many people that survive on day-to-day wages. Like a, a worker that goes, they survive. Literally, they get paid daily. Mm. And if they don't go, they're not going to be able to consume those calories that they literally need to survive. Yep. And, and you see the difference. The populist leader that is Imran Khan, huge uprising, huge surgeons. There's no fantasy behind why people are flocking towards Imran Khan. Mm. He is actually offering them a better life than dying at 50. Yeah, yeah. And look, man, think obviously it's it's hard to compare those countries. But like coming again, coming from that country, I remember when my when I when we were new in Australia and my mum my mum used to really talk shit about homeless people in Australia. Mm. And I was like, Mom, you never had, like, that kind of a thing against homeless people in Pakistan. I was like, they didn't have, like, sometimes they literally didn't have a choice. I don't want to be rude, but, like, she used to say, these fuckers have a choice. She obviously didn't understand how drugs work because she, she come, like, she doesn't know exactly how drugs are. Like, she just thinks it's, like, either and there you... are mental, men, n- mentally And she also doesn't really <laughs> empathize with mentally ill people, right? She's <laughs> not a perfect person. But, like, so you take those two out because she doesn't, she doesn't consider them... She was like, yeah, Not fuck you. Per- yeah. Well, I, I can imagine she'd come here and be like, you know, see the affluence and be like, surely. And it would be easy yeah. to pick yourself up. Particularly because when she found out that people, like you get the dole over here and stuff, I was like, how are you not on the dole? Like, what are you? Yeah. Like, it just, it, she wouldn't, she wouldn't be able to like understand exactly why you're on the street. Like, well, that's it. It's just like, look, in in the West, really, the reasons that you would be on the street is mental illness because and there's drugs, so yeah. many, not just government programs, yeah, non-government programs that are like, look, if you're and put together enough, say you've got average intelligence, you'll figure out a way to get housed yeah. in, in, in the West. It's not going to yeah. be ideal living. Yeah. yeah, so like, again, so she's r- right and wrong. So she's wrong in the sense that she doesn't, She's right that they're not poor. I mean, they they are poor, but they don't necessarily have to be poor. But, like, their mental faculties or whatever, their lifestyle is causing them to be in this situation. It's not necessarily just abject poverty. Yes. Look, you you do make a point over there, but what do we do? So, like, not, not like, struggle against the elites? No, no, no. I think that it's just, like, what I'm getting at is the argument now that you are having is actually a lot more boring. There's not much inflamed passion in politics anymore because there can't be by design. The only way that you can inflame that passion is by creating elaborate fantasies for people to fall into, Hmm. which is what these predatory minor parties do. And generally, 
what you're really looking for out of a government is to just keep it going and through just technological progression and actually having a properly functioning bureaucracy, these things automatically will just improve. And it's just like it's, it's a fantasy to sell into people's minds that tomorrow there's going to be flying cars and you're not going to have to pay any rent and, you know, we're going to cut emissions to zero tomorrow. Like these are all fantasy ideas the parties like the green cell and you have to get swept up in this idea that you know things things are really really bad and you're getting fucked over or the other motivator these days a lot of the time is you should be voting for us just to punish those people that's a mm. huge motivator in western politics now it's mo- and this is a, a classic thing from italy from years ago and they were talking about it after the second world war where there was villages and stuff like that that weren't experiencing this abject poverty, but there was still this feeling of malice and this, we're going to vote for this person just to screw over this village because we fucking hate that village. That's how you get votes these days. It's mm. mostly just as a punishment to the other people. Mm. And look, I'm completely guilty of it. I've made an entire career out of it. But when I look at it, I'm actually just arguing for like a, a you know the semblance of governance that got us to the place where everybody can select what color jumper they want mm. you know like the, 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 there has been huge inarguable progress over the last 100 years huge massive inarguable progress and the, the, i i think what the the main crux of what this book was saying and he's not, not arguing it. He's saying, yes, there is genuine political arguments. It's hard to get people to actually focus on those genuine political arguments, especially because our society, and this is just, you know this, you don't even have to look at the stats, but he goes through all of the stats. We're really narcissistic. <laughs> We're so self-absorbed now. And so it's very easy to... Because mm, what is a narcissist true. based off? It's based off of this victim complex of... I'm getting screwed over personally, me. Mm. And so you just keep pressing that button. Whatever the demographic is, you find your special way of how you're getting screwed over. That's how you get votes. It's very... What he's actually saying is it's really hard to build the consensus that actually progresses society these days. It's hard to be that unifying politician. People don't want to fucking hear that anymore. Mm. And it's because people have become more selfish and nasty. Mm. It's true. <sighs> you can't deny that. It's true. No, there, there is <coughs> true to it. People are f- quick to complain at first and be like, well, what about me? There's no idea. There's no like, greater good isn't really... It's almost like not sexy anymore or something. No, it's not Everyone's sexy to say like, get in here, get this one that is actually like running what is very difficult, which is a large bureaucracy yeah. and getting that to function properly. That is not a sexy message. No, I guess not. I guess like the best, the no. easiest way to motivate people is through an emotional message because people are scared, irrespective of what their condition is. If you've got $10 million in your bank account, you're scared that you might lose it all. If you've got 500, you're like, shit, I'm going to run out. Like everyone at their own level is kind of scared and you can exploit that emotion if you know how to. Mm. Yeah. You know what's funny? I was actually reading about this. This has got nothing to do with politics, but this was like an evolutionary book. It was kind of like Sapiens, uh, the Yuval book, but it wasn't Sapiens. I can't remember what book it was. But anyways, this guy was saying like, like humans are deeply flawed because uh, we weren't the apex predator, right? So what we would essentially do is we would wait for like the lion or tiger or whatever it might be to go away. Like when we were apes still. I'm not talking about like the homo sapiens that we are today. 
And we would like go over there and then we would like try to eat whatever meat it was that we could eat. And the only reason why we were eating meat was because we realized that like the best way to like, uh, we, we need to like figure out how to adapt to the environment better. Like whatever the Eastern part of Africa that we're all from just had rapid changes in climate. And we realized that we need to figure out how to actually be able to adapt to this changes. And for that, we needed a big brain anyway. So we needed more calories. So we went from eating just veggies and shit to like actual meat and that's how we would do it because we weren't the predator and he's like if you look at any apex predator and at, at some point we did become apex predator we would roam around through our like communities and we would hunt animals through tools and we would eat them and he's like if you look at any other apex predator if you look at like a lion in africa if you look at a tiger in india if you look at like a killer whale they are not scared they roam <laughs> around like they're the kings <laughs> And unlike us, when we're like always looking behind us and we're like, oh shit, is there someone? I was like, a lion does not give a fuck. He's like, I'll take care of you, bitch. You come in front of me. And he's like, and that's because we were like, even though we did become the apex predator, but we managed to do it through like this community effort and also just developing these insanely large brains. But we still have that thing of that thing in us that like, oh shit, shit a lion might eat us. Yeah. A tiger might eat us. Yeah. He's like, and this is like a, a fundamental evolutionary defect that we have. If we were li if we were like a traditional apex predator, we would just be confident. And I think that like squeaminess about us can be exploited in, yeah. in politics a lot. Yes, yes, mm. yes, yes. And so I think like, okay, I'll, I'll I'll admit another thing. When I was like seventeen, eighteen, and I was like a full on fucking commie Marxist, I genuinely thought that life is just getting worse and worse, and we need to struggle against the elite. Otherwise, eventually, we'll all just be broke. And when someone would even give me the evidence, you'd be like, hey, what the fuck is wrong with you? Like, people working class in Australia are much better off than they were before. And I'd be like, yeah, yeah, but that's only because, you know, we've, we've outsourced our working class. It's the, it's, the, it's the third world, and they're going through a lot of shit. It was only, I think, like, when I was in, like, in mid-20s when I was like, no, hold on. Even if I look at that, the quality of life, even in the third world, has gone up tremendously in the last 200 years. Mm. Like, people are not dying of starvation nearly as much as they were before. But this was like a little, a dogma, almost, that I had in my head. And I'm, I, I'll admit it, that I was like, no, life isn't getting slowly better, but life is getting slowly worse. Mm. And so, like, I think we're all, like, we're all sort of coded to feel that life is just getting worse. Mm. And it might not necessarily be the case. Mm. There's mm. a statistic, too, that's like, if you... Uh, let's say you, 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 you make $300 and then you lose $100. The feeling of losing $100 is a lot more dramatic than getting the 300 Like you, the, the human brain gets 300 and goes, yeah, okay, cool. And it loses 100 and goes, oh, fuck, fuck, I lost $100. There's a huge inequality. Yeah, it doesn't focus on the fact it has, it's up yeah. $200. But everyone does that. And yes. we're, and yeah, and which is like, which is, which makes us so risk averse. Yeah, We're so afraid yeah, to take yeah, risks. Yeah. Actually, funnily enough, just, just on that thing that I was talking about, the apex predator shit, he was like, you know how we get scared of animals? Like, even if, if like, a lion or a tiger was here, we'd be, like, <laughs> if it was a snake, we'd be, like, scared? Well. Do you know every animal in the world is petrified of us? Maybe, like, maybe not killer whales in the ocean or whatever, but every land animal, including, mm. like, lions and tigers. Mm. And we know this. Because what they would do is they would put ca uh, cameras in the jungle, right? There's no human around. And they would just, every time they detected an animal, any kind of animal, they would play human voices and it would share the skit out, shit out of every animal. Mm. Wow. But still we're afraid of them. Yeah. It's so unreasonable. Isn't it? Uh, yeah. 
That's crazy. <laughs> crazy psychology. I think yeah. we won over tigers when we started hunting them for sport. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it is, right? It's like inherently like paranoid and scared and uh, narcissistic. I suppose narcissistic, right? Well, I'll tell you what else as well, because I was talking to the comics backstage. It is pathetic, but it's so true. It's, it's very Joe Rogan, but you have really philosophical conversations with other comics, <laughs> dumb, idiot, philosophical conversations, because th- that's what they do their whole lives. They just think about shit. <laughs> that's what a comic does. Yeah. Um, <coughs> but I was talking to one guy that was doing the thing about conspiracy, so I started talking about the conspiracy thing, and then this other guy that had like heaps of life experience, he was a crusty 60-year-old, Melbourne comic wog being like, yeah, man, I used to open for Chopper. That guy was fucked. <laughs> that guy. And he was sick. I liked him a lot. But I was talking about that point and then they made the point. Isn't this interesting? Because you actually do get this very diverse spectrum when it comes to comedy because you have people that are on the dole and real no-hopers with not a penny to their name. And you, most comics always start there, but... There's very few comics that really start in the private school sector. In most creative fields, you usually start from like a working class background and then move your way up. It's one of those few fields where there's extreme social mobility. You're either dirt poor or you're a multimillionaire. That's that's comedy, right? And so they were saying it's just a very obvious pattern when it comes to comedians. When they're starting out and they're starving and they're just doing that for years on end, they're sharp, they're focused... They come up with great insights. Then they start making bigger checks. And then all of a sudden, they've got heaps of money. That means they've got heaps of free time. And all they have to do is tour. And they've, got, they've, they've worked their whole lives to get their little half hour that kills. And they tour that for the rest of their lives. They don't really have to do anything else. There's a lot of comedians who just do the same act for 20 years. Um, <clears throat> at that point... They said that it's a very this is the same thing over and over again. And they were both like, "Holy fuck! I never thought about this before." They get to that point, all this free time, they either take up a hobby. Usually, it's golf, a rich man <laughs> endeavor, or they start getting really into conspiracy, <laughs> and they slowly go insane, <laughs> and then they just become Alex Jones on stage, being like, "Did you know that the IMF is really controlled by the Bilderberg Group?" and let That's me t- what their act becomes. <laughs> Let me tell you about Big Mike. Yeah, 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 yeah. Big Mike is definitely linked to big tech. That's what starts happening. Because when the human brain, and I think it's pointing into your thing, when the human brain is satiated, when it's food, clothing, shelter is all handled, it's still looking for problems. Hmm. It can't just sit there and be satisfied yes. with what it has. It's yes. always, and I yes. do it all the time. And I, I have a self-help channel, but I wake up every morning and I have to pro- reprogram myself every morning because every morning I'm just like, this journalist fucked me over. Fuck. This, 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 this one town didn't sell as well as last <laughs> year. You blood, I'm never coming back here again. <laughs> That's how the brain thinks. Yeah, It's, what, it's Larry yeah. David's point. Uh, when he was like, uh, someone asked him, like, how is it like having hundreds of millions of dollars? And he was like, yeah, not that different. He's like, there's a box in your brain that's constantly looking for problems. When I was poor, it'd be like, fuck, how am I going to eat food? And when my food was taken care of, it just fills up with some shit else. Fills up with other shit. Like, yeah. And it's like you're equally yeah. so as distressed yeah. as you were before. Fuck. And so that brain, that Jesus. box there has to invent something. And I'm telling you, we are actually in this golden era. I mean, it's so... It, you can become a global celebrity just by 
talking into a box in front of you. Mm. I fucking did it. You mm. can do it. It's so easy. Think about this. Like, I was even thinking, like, just a generation before, we were always saying, oh, we don't have it that good and all this kind of stuff. Dave Hughes, at my <laughs> age, yeah, he broke through. He was one of the lucky ones. But, man, I was poor. I was not like Dave Hughes when he started out, you know? And now you could argue that I'm even more famous than Dave Hughes. As in, like, I'd have a much larger American base than Dave. If Dave Hughes went to America, everyone would just be like, who's this crackhead? No, mm. no one would know, mm. you know? Like, there's a huge... Divvy there, like what I'm saying is like, yeah, it, it's an incredible time to be alive, and still the brain needs to look for problems, hmm. still needs to look for how it's getting screwed over. Mm, yeah, and I think that it's really, it's something that like, I, and and the book was just like, and I've got no answer, sorry, but <sighs> shit, man, it makes a lot of sense, and it's, it's like you look at any civilization, what happens when it's at its peak. And it just gets bored and gives up on the project. Yeah, gluttony and demise. Yeah. That just happens. Shit. Shit. Well, I hope we've motivated you enough today. But you know what we might have done is like, irrespective, some of these questions are way too big. Like, you know, how should the working class struggle really be in the next 50 years? But what I think we have like established is that we should try and be thankful and happy for what we have. You know, try to be content. Yeah, yeah. Maybe this meditation thing that the Indians invented has something <laughs> legit about it. Oh yeah, no, that definitely, that's definitely true. Of that's course. that would solve yeah, a lot of problems. Yoga shit. In fact, yeah. how yeah. amazing is this stat? Every time I'm always blown away by it. But when they get someone to teach inner city schools in the U.S. meditation, all these schools where they had to have metal detectors for guns and knives and they don't even use the metal detectors anymore. They're just there. As like they turn them off. That's amazing. Everyone just mellows out and that's they study and pay attention in school because they're forced to just not think for 10 minutes. That's amazing. And it solves so many problems. That's uh, amazing. It is amazing. It's truly amazing. <clears throat> so I think it's, it's not just a thing of also just being grateful for what you have, but it's also like... Whatever like great societal problems you think there are, they're actually a lot more solvable than you think, and the solution is a lot more boring than you think. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. who'd have guessed? It's the same thing every time when people are like, "Why have you said anything about labor announcing that?" Because they haven't fucking announced a policy. It's not a Facebook post. You announcing a policy. Sorry about this. Takes months, <laughs> minimum. Sometimes it takes fucking years. Sometimes it takes decades. That's forming a proper policy. Mm. Sitting there and talking to experts and hammering it out and how are we actually going to implement it? Then you have to talk to other experts about it. These things take time. Mm. And I think it's just like at the, at the end of the day, you kind of just have to accept that and understand that as, as I was saying, like climate change, environmental degradation, all of these things, they don't necessarily demand like, you know, some guy with a little beret hat on and a machine gun <laughs> shooting in the air. That's... <laughs> Probably not the best solution a lot of times. <laughs> Definitely not. Yeah. I think the, the greatest amongst all is the Dalai Lama. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> to bring it yeah, back. To bring it back. To bring it back. <laughs> I mean, how many of us are French and children? <laughs> I'm and kidding, that's I'm another kidding. salute. Maybe when you meditate long enough, you realize that's you get the to end. that level. That's, that's true happiness. <laughs> Anyways, we've spoken about Dalai Lama uh, in our pre-show, so make sure you check that out uh, if you're a patron, and if you're not, then become a patron. Thank you for everyone that has sent us the shirt designs, but we want more. 
Come on, I'm sure there's some of you that haven't been that haven't done it. We're thinking about it. Send us more shirt designs. Some of the people I've been in touch with, and uh, and and whoever did it, and I haven't responded to. We appreciate your effort, but uh, yeah, not good enough. Not everyone good enough. <laughs> send, but but send us some more if you have any other ideas, and uh, we will see you guys next week. Sick. See ya. Adios. See ya. Oh wait, I need to. <laughs> Oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> it's all right. All right. right. <laughs> we got it. Uh, what else is in the news? Canada's <laughs> 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 <laughs>